Hey y'all! Welcome to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia of The Wander School. Each episode, I bring you stories, tips, and tricks from foragers and wildcrafters around the world to empower you on your wild path. Please remember to practice safe foraging by being 100% positive of your identification before consuming anything wild. Happy listening! Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need grows all around us. Hello again, and this is Abby Artemisia from The Wander School and the podcast Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. Welcome to episode six. I'm so excited to be interviewing my good friend, Cindy Quay, who is a traditional Native American herbalist and the owner of Cindy's Sacred Garden. Cindy and I are teaching a class together at the end of October, on October 26th, called Tree Medicine, and it is a plant walk and workshop, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I wanted to have her on to tell you a little bit more about what she does. Okay, welcome, Cindy. Well, thanks for having me, Abby. <laughs> thanks for coming. This is my first podcast. Oh, wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so honored. <laughs> so, Cindy, do you, you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you got to be an herbalist? And you have a um, really special part of that that I wanted to hear more about because I don't totally know the story. Sure. It's easy to start when I was a little girl. I lived in upper Wisconsin, and I was raised in the 60s with sets of grandparents who foraged. One set of grandparents did mushrooms and berries, and the other set of grandparents were into medicines and berries as well and food. So I had a little bit of both, of the teachings just from my grandparents remembering going out and foraging and harvesting for food and for medicine. My parents also always had gardens, and so I was always part of that as well. However, I was the neighborhood kid who would, as a little girl, go into the neighbor's gardens and sit there. And I saw a deer one time digging up tulip bulbs and eating them. And I thought, wow, those look delicious. (laughs) So I did it. (laughs) What I did know is they were the prized heirloom. (laughs) And uh, the neighbor lady called my mom and she said, Cindy's at it again. Don't let her in my yard. (laughs) So I was just always doing that. But I had a little twist on it. I would get naked. (laughs) (laughs) And so the phone calls would come to my mom. She's walking down the road naked with a bouquet of flowers she picked out of my garden. But I wanted to know how everything tasted. And I think I had to be in my raw form. Like everything was like magical. Putting 
flowers, berries, roots um, into my mouth. That was how I felt the medicine. It wasn't just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. I had to taste everything. And so that kind of started me off on already having the knowledge of wanting to connect with the plant nation. And that led me to years of being out in the woods, being in the bush is what we called it, and learning from others. I didn't go to an herbal school. Everything I was taught is hands-on. And I still, to this day, I go, I'm here in Black Mountain, North Carolina, but I go home to my reservation, it's the Menominee Reservation, and I spend time with the medicine man there, and we harvest together. And I teach him, and he teaches me. So I'll collect the female medicine, and he'll collect the male medicine. And those medicines are provided for our tribal members and those in need. So I really enjoy um, having the deep connection of the ownership of being a native and working with the plant nation and being able to talk freely about it and not be exposed because I'm not native mm-hmm. like some people are. Right. Um, so that's a pure joy of mine to teach and educate and to create organic skin foods and fresh earth medicines for those in need and for me and my own family. So (laughs) that's a little bit about me. Wow. That's so super interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know a lot of that. (laughs) So I'm curious when you say male and female medicine, what Mm -hmm. do you mean? So traditionally in a native way, um, like I'll give you an example. We have, and I'm going to talk about on my reservation, just for the simple fact, uh, here in the western um, North Carolina mountains, we don't have wild sage. Mm -hmm. So there are two types of wild sage that grows freely and abundantly in very spiritual places on a reservation. Some of it is female and some is male. And it's by the identification process. Um, whether it has seeded or it has not seeded. And so I would gather the female sage, Mm -hmm. which that's what I use in ceremony, especially with a group of females. Mm -hmm. And my uh, male helpers would collect the male sage. And so when ceremony would happen and you have a co-ed situation, you would burn both together to bring the male and female energies together. So there are many plants that are just for female. Um, for And I can't go into too many details about it because that, right. that's the giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can share one particular female root that's extremely important for women to carry, mm-hmm. and that is bear root. Mm. It is really um, a very strong um, or angelica root. So those are like two protectors and protecting our spirit from others who might have not so good intentions in our spiritual um, plane. So uh, if you looked at trees, Mm -hmm. they tend to be more masculine, Mm -hmm. uh, the staining ones. And they offer some pretty powerful medicine. And we'll be doing that yes. at, with our workshop at the end of this month on the 26th. 
Yes. I'm so excited about that. So I think it's kind of obvious from what you said, but I'm sure that you could talk more about it. So I'm curious why wildcrafting is important to you. Sorry, I got a nice cup of tea with mimosa <laughs> honey in it. It's beautiful. It has flowers in my tea, just delicious. So that would just bring it roundabout. Who offers mimosa honey with flowers, <laughs> you know, into a beautiful Tulsi ashwagandha tea? Wild crafting is essential to my well-being and to anyone else's. The connection number one, that you have in nature and being outdoors and allowing your spirit to feel the spirit, the plant nation and the tree nation are on top of the totem pole Mm -hmm. and we're on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And there are many beautiful stories I could share with you that are native of how, why they're at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically they have given themselves to us. And in wild crafting is about feeding ourselves with that medicine that was made for us. And there's, it goes deeper than just like, well, you know, I'm, I got a fever. I'm going to do some white willow bark, you know, bring that fever down or bone set to break the fever. We're actually connecting with the spirit of that plant and our our bodies, we really accept it, appreciate it. The healing in it, I think, far goes outside of Western meds. Mm-hmm. There's a connection. Yeah. We are the connection is deep, and wild crafting really teaches you even more about who you are. You may have like this bad day, and you just go out. And all of a sudden you realize your spirit is lifted. Even if you sat and cried, there's going to be a message for you, mm-hmm. a beautiful gift that's going to free your soul. And perhaps you'll do some wild crafting and harvesting and foraging and then refeed your body. Mm-hmm. And the plants are going to lead you to them yeah. of what you, what you need exactly at that time. So I think as uh, two-leggeds, in general, if we would all spend more time out and be with nature and be with the spirits that are there in our connection, we might find ourselves to be a lot more softer and kinder and healthier, mm-hmm. mind, body, and spirit. Yes, definitely believe that. I'm like starting to tear up because it just <laughs> resonates so deeply with me, you know, and thinking about this um, honey that Cindy's talking about that I infused with mimosa and honeysuckle blossoms. And it just, every time I eat it, it takes me back to this trail in Tennessee where I went hiking and found them. And it was magical because I wasn't expecting to find them. And that's often how it happens. Or my friend was talking about a moon lifting blend that I make that she's been asking me to give to her. And I did. And she was asking me about the herbs and I was like, I wildcrafted all the herbs in there. And I realized, you know, I don't often think about that, but that's a whole nother level of medicine and it makes it so much more special. Absolutely. And medicinal. Yes. 
Well, um, so you live in Black Mountain, and we've talked a lot on this show about um, this region. And I'm kind of curious, though, about where you're from in Wisconsin. You talked about the sage a little bit. Are there any other herbs that are special to you from that area that we might not have here? There's quite a few. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So when I go home, I look for wintergreen is um, one of my favorites. Sweet fern and wintergreen in a pot. Um, The grandmas or aunties would put it on the stove during the winter months. And so they would say that would help with flu and cold. Um, You can't find wintergreen. You can, but not in the sense of amounts Mm -hmm. that you can harvest ethically. Right. And so wintergreen is one of my favorites to mix with the sweet fern and um, put into a pot and have that steam inhalation and memories of the smell. Um, Or you're out hiking in in beautiful country where most people don't realize they think Wisconsin might be flat land, but it isn't. (laughs) And where um, I grew up around the Green Bay area, but my tribe is 45 minutes northwest of Green Bay. And as you get up there, in it's a lot of pine trees and hilly, and then there's um, beautiful water flows where many ceremonies were done. And we have a rich history of how the area became. Even, so this is kind of really interesting piece, uh, the United States kayakers who go to um, the Olympics, they have to actually come out to this particular river. And if they're unsuccessful, they don't make the Olympics. So imagine, (laughs) you know, here in Western North Carolina, you get to go to places where there's big, we call them grandfathers, Mm -hmm. big stones and rushing waters. This is even more majestic with big cliffs and Mm -hmm. unbelievable. People have died in there. Life is taken every year. Wow. It's a pretty amazing place, but the medicines there are ancient, and I can't say the name of it because it's it's Menominee ceremonial ground. Mm-hmm. And so wintergreen, I do collect Indian pipe when I'm up there, mm-hmm. uh, ghost pipe. That is, I don't sell it. It's not available on my website. If you're going to go look for it, mm-hmm. it is used um, very special medicine. So sweet fern and wintergreen, and we do have Indian pipe here, but up there it's there's quite a bit to be able to right. harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sage, obviously, is a big piece for me, being that you can't find it here. Yeah. So those are my main ones. There's other ones, but just coming to my mind, that's part of what I'm going to go for. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I've actually always been curious about the traditional medicine of ghost pipe. Do you feel comfortable in sharing that? So it was pretty much used uh, powdered. Oh wow! Um, you know we, you know I could bring up the alcohol situation, but right. tinctures weren't really made uh, mm-hmm. with alcohol back then. They were drank. The mm-hmm. alcohol was drank for. Um, for alcohol purposes. So a lot of the herbs were powdered and dried um, so that they could be easily carried wherever you went. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, you'd have your medicine bundles and your birch bags that you would carry your medicines in. And so it could be used for anything from, for pain. Mm-hmm. So toothache to put into hot water for internal pain. Um, so that was the main purpose of it. We, that's just the physical. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual level that's lifted when you're serving something for pain and you have to look at the emotional spiritual side of what is happening with that person. And so it would be used in very special ways that I will share with you privately. (laughs) And I do apologize to those listening, but there's things that if you were in need and you came to me, then you would know why we would use it. Right. It's not to be shared certain things on a um, global or outward, like, you know, this is for this and this is for this, spiritually speaking. But this is a very spiritual um, medicine. Yeah, I've always gotten that feeling from it. Yes, so I trust Abby. (laughs) (laughs) So I will share with her privately, and she can choose then from there out who she chooses what. That will be her choice. Yeah. Well, I really honor that and appreciate that. And it makes a lot of sense to me because I think it's always important to remind folks when we're talking about herbalism that it's a very holistic practice. And it it's easy to think about it as this for that. But it's really ideally not that way. I mean, it's good to know those traditional benefits of that plant, but really it's more important to look at the individual person and the bigger picture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Well, you mentioned ethical harvest a little while ago. Mm-hmm. So I always ask people I interview what you consider to be ethical foraging or wildcrafting. Well, as most um, native people here on Turtle Island have been taught is number one, how many plants are there? Mm-hmm. And so we always, if we're out harvesting and it's not a common plant, uh, we look to see if there's seven. Uh, there's a grandma, a mother, and her babies. If there's more than seven, we know that we'll probably choose four. And depending on your teachings, so I'm only going to speak on my behalf, mm-hmm. the grandmother has given and the mother has given. So we never go for the babies. Because those are the ones that are going to reproduce and put the seeds out and continue. But before we would even ethically harvest, there's a moment that you have to sit with that plant. And you have to ask its permission. And you have to realize what is ego and what's not ego. And I'll give a prime example. Um, I like to tell stories. I was in an area where sacred ceremony was done right here in Western North Carolina. And as most people know, lady slippers uh, are endangered. And uh, where the ceremony happened, there were lady slippers that were actually not noticed. And someone put a tent on top of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that ceremony was done, and that was a four-day ceremony, well, five days, including setup and takedown. I was there, and I saw when the tent was removed what was underneath the tent. And that was because someone may not have been aware because they weren't connected. Right. 
into their space. That's the, um, that brings back the importance of, of being connected to where you're at. And I sat with those lady slippers. Chances are they probably would come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some wouldn't, but there was more than four. And we always offer a gift after we talk with the plant. And so I went into ceremony with the lady slippers and I offered my tobacco and I offered it to all the four directions, mother earth and father sky. And I, and then into my spirit, to the spirit of the lady slipper and had conversation. I had people in need, but I wasn't going to harvest it if it said no to me. And I had to really check in with myself to make sure ego didn't say yes, Mm -hmm. because there was a situation, you know, they were covered and crushed for four days, Mm -hmm. five, excuse me. And so I sat there for a good 20 minutes being part of them and really listening to what they were trying to explain to me along with what kind of medicine they could provide. Because just because you read it in a book, (laughs) that's not enough for a native person, it might tell us it has a different name. It might tell us the medicine it's going to be used for. And if it's accepted for us to harvest, chances are within two days, that person's going to show up. That is going to have that exact thing. We are feeling what this medicine is for. And so I was given permission. It didn't take, but two. That's where my permission was allowed, and there was a reason for that. In the prayer, it was shared with me and being connected with the plant that the other ones that were crushed by the tent were absorbing the energy of the property of where that sacred ceremony was being held. And to come back and see where they would spread themselves. And then I would know that my ego was in check. And the medicine was very powerful that I made with those, the roots of the lady slipper. Mm -hmm. And so that is what a native person does in their teachings. Or when we teach others, it's just not native people. More and more are learning the concept you're taking. You know, um, there should be a gift. There should be conscious prayer and thought and connection. And we should never take more than what we need and then cut that in half Mm. because the ego might tell us we need more than what we really do. And to me, that is um, having communication and connection and uh, allows me to find medicines in the wintertime. You know, blood root. Who finds blood root in the wintertime? I do. (laughs) (laughs) But that's because... you, you. you find that connection, the vibration. Mm-hmm. And when the when a person's in need, it will be shown to you if you have that respect. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that, that really makes me think, and I appreciate that. I'm really looking forward to our I workshop I so I can see this in person. I know. And experience it along with all of our students. Yes, <laughs> and your botany end, I appreciate that. So much because I don't teach the botany Mm -hmm. or Latin names or little folk. You've got little folk um, 
you know, gimmick <laughs> gimmicks that go with things that I really love when I listen to Abby teach. Oh, so I look forward to that, you. that blend, yeah. you know, really bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, how gorgeous is that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I should tell a little bit of the background. Cindy and I met two years ago, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two years ago at the Southeast Wise Women Herbal Conference, which is coming up this weekend. So we're going to be rooming together. It's really exciting. Yeah. And um, I got to attend her plant walks, which I really enjoyed. And um, she asked me to help her because whenever she teaches, she likes to clear everyone's energy. And um, do you mm-hmm. use the word smudge? Yes. Yeah. So yes. smudge everyone in and burn some sage and help clear everyone's energy before they come into class. So we're all prepared to learn in a good way. And so I got to help and felt very honored to be able to do that, having um, been someone who has been involved in many different kinds of Native American ceremony. And I just, I do think it's so important for us to have whatever ceremony feels right to us. Um, but whatever it is that we do take time to honor the plants, because I always say pretty much what you said, that the plants are giving of themselves and often their whole lives for our food and our medicine. So, um, yeah, Cindy and I have talked about teaching together ever since then. And this is our first time we're actually going to get to. So I cannot wait. (laughs) so I always ask people when they come on the show to pick a favorite plant or mushroom and as we were talking about before the show it's so hard to pick one that's right (laughs) (laughs) Um, especially for people like us who have so many favorites and work with a lot of different ones but um, I think you picked one so do you want to tell us about that one and why you chose it yes absolutely right now um, I wanted to choose one um, that right now we still have uh, viability to harvest and use for this upcoming fall and winter season, and that is your goldenrod, the saladago. And uh, the bright yellow, number one, reminds us of when we get sick, we need some cheering up yellow mm-hmm. um, medicine the sunshine, but it's also the medicine for the bees. It's their last food source Mm. of fall. And so you're also in that energy when you're harvesting of the honeybees. And so you not only have to ask the plant permission, you also have to ask the bees because you will be with them Mm -hmm. and they don't want to harm you and you don't want to harm them, but you want to leave them, uh, their food source. That feeds us, mm-hmm. you know, that cycle. So goldenrod is a prime example of more than just benefiting us. It's, you know, it's for honeybees and mm-hmm. their livelihood. The goldenrod right now, most of it, we, it came early. Yeah. It flowered early, which could be a sign of a cold winter. Out in the Pacific Northwest, theirs flowered in July. Wow. So talk about folk tale. Uh, so the woolly worm, the goldenrod, if it blooms early, could be a early prediction of winter. Mm-hmm. And so that also meant ragweed comes along with it. 
and seasonal allergies. Well, we should be clearing out of that right now because the ragweed is pretty well dried up Mm -hmm. uh, with some of the last flowers um, popping out. So harvesting the goldenrod is pretty simple and easy to find. It likes sunny areas. Um, It could be uh, in a field. It could be uh, alongside of a bank of water. As long as the sun is reaching that area, you'll Mm -hmm. find goldenrod. The one thing before I even tell you about harvesting is chances are you'll see a lot of it under power lines. Mm. So don't harvest under power lines. Those power lines are feeding those plants in those areas, Mm -hmm. vibrational um, energies that is not compatible with your own and possibly is being sprayed because those are the power lines. Good reminder. (laughs) Yes. So uh, you don't, um, harvesting goldenrod, uh, you want flowers that haven't opened. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are open, but they're uh, yellow, bright yellow, and you'll see the bees obviously on it. The ones that are done yellowing, that becomes fluff. Mm-hmm. and there's no medicinal purposes to fluff, and you'll just have a bag full of fluff. <laughs> you really do. You just go put it outside and hope it fluffs out into seeds in your yard. So you want to capture the goldenrod uh, while the bees are still activated in it. And today I took a hike with my dog, and even here I found the younger, because they're still coming up because of the heat we had, mm-hmm. that were only maybe three feet tall that had fresh yellow flowers on it. I normally go down, um, I don't harvest long stalks of it. Mm-hmm. It's more the flowers than the leaves, so the leaves are um, usable uh, to dry uh, for teas. So that's the part of the plants I don't use the root. There's no sense in pulling the plant out of the ground. Uh, so you can just harvest down probably a good eight inches uh, with the flowers and some of the leaves. So the first thing, um, do you want me to talk about medicinal properties? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is why we want to gather it right now. Well, we can. So I'd say hurry up, guys, because it's not going to be around. You can still use the plant if it's starting to, the flower is leaving, if you're going to make a tea with it right away. Uh, goldenrod makes a lovely tasting tea. You very, you really can't even taste it. But the first sign of a clear runny nose, which usually happens with the ragweed that grows next to it, is an environmental allergy. And so, you know, two or three cups will automatically stop that continuous running of a nose and dry up the sinuses. You'll have to drink it for a couple days or maybe even two weeks while Mm -hmm. you're in an environmental allergy situation. Uh, But it'll stop the draining, which then stops going into your lungs. This is also the time of year where right now I'm coming off a sinus infection. Mm -hmm. And I went and harvested fresh goldenrod every other day and made tea with the flowers and the leaves And I mixed it with other facilitating herbs as need be for what my situation was. So even if your mucus uh, from your nose starts turning yellow or green, you can still stay on the goldenrod. And so it does work gently with colds and flus and sinus infections. And it is really gentle for children. Goldenrod goes even further than just cold and flus. Uh, 
I use it with a lot of women who have UTIs Mm -hmm. and whether they're postmenopausal or they've had some kind of health illness that uh, their their bladder and the kidneys get uh, infections in them that aren't necessarily UTIs. And so goldenrod aggressively for a good week, along with oozia, that's really important, uh, will really work with UTIs. So it's a safe, goldenrod is safe to take and drink for periods of time uh, for UTI infections. But there's one thing, and we'll get a recipe out to you all with this podcast, Mm -hmm. is a lot of people don't know, this is a very old tradition, is to take the flowers and the leaves and to infuse them in an oil. Uh, Back many, many moons ago, we would render it into bear fat or deer fat or tallow of whatever animal we had. And now we can use like organic certified olive oil (laughs) and really accentuating that guys. (laughs) You just want to make sure the herb is dry before you put it into the oil or you could end up with a moldy situation with a wet herb and infused in olive oil for four to six weeks and strained. That oil uh, applied to anywhere in the body, especially the extremities, like you have broken an ankle and you have edema. You had foot surgery and the swelling isn't coming down. You have a muscle spasm that won't leave your lower back or up in your shoulders or around your neck. You can apply the oil and immediately most people... Generally, I would say about 95% of people will feel a tingling sensation. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is your circulation system coming and arriving to the area that has been um, pretty well dead of having any circulation. And when when your circulatory system isn't working, that area cannot heal. And extremities... That is a challenging situation. I've worked with people with RA Mm -hmm. and arthritis that do really well with the oil as well, too, Mm -hmm. with some St. John's wort oil um, blended together. So goldenrod right now is a really, you know, prime, last, above ground, besides the tree nation, for harvesting that will take you through... um, the winter months, especially with cold and flu or UTIs, or to make into an oil. And so I'll provide that recipe for Abby so you all can learn how to make it. It's really simple. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Goldenrod is a favorite of mine, and it is pretty amazing. You said something that I really enjoyed the last class of yours that I went to. I think it was something that the Menominee say about how you should know how many uses for each plant. Oh, yes. <laughs> so when I teach, and I teach for herbal schools and for community gatherings, one of the, um, I get asked a lot by budding, you know, those who want to become herbalists or want to know more, as learn for. Learn four. You might, you know, be in school and you're learning 20, but learn four at least 20 different ways, each plant. Mm -hmm. Because I don't travel anywhere with any medicines. I harvest wherever I go. And 
I know like, okay, so if there isn't this one, this one, this other one will work the same way in, in this case. So when you can take one plant and I, I know Mullen at least 40 different ways. Wow. So you study and you learn everything about when it comes up in spring, what does it look like? How many times a year does it flower or not? Is it biannual? When do you harvest? When shouldn't you harvest? And then, I mean, that's part of learning everything, but how can you apply whether root, stem, flowers, leaves, um, to um, any different situation? You're not learning out of books and you're not learning in school. And that's the connection to the plant. It will teach you. Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable. Um, all you need to know is for your entire lifetime. If you really need just a small apothecary, yeah. it's that simple. That is awesome. So that actually, I think answers my next question, but <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other suggestions for folks who are just getting onto this path to starting to forage and wildcraft? Yeah, I think first of all, finding the right teachers is important. And I always like to say this, you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. And when you find the right teacher, the teachers teach the teachers. Mm-hmm. And you te- and those learning teach us the teachers. So don't ever be afraid to find a teacher. Uh, going out on it by yourself is great too, but we need each other. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. And then check in with yourself. Does it feel right to you? Who you might be studying with or how you're studying? Uh, does it feel good to your spirit? Um, and then what is your... What is your, you know, you think you have an idea of why you're doing this, but be open to what might come out of it. Um, And, you know, it's a really refreshing way to go back to our real true pharmacy and take in the reins of taking care of you and yours or your community or communities plus, 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 many tribes. So I always say, don't be afraid. Just find your, your niche. Uh, I've, I only know a few Latin names of plants. You know, I, when I hear them, I know what they are because I've heard them, but I don't necessarily feel that I, I need to know that as a native person. And that's, but that's my choice and I'm good with that. And I'm not, I can share that. And that's when I meet people like Abby, who's a botanist, who helps inspire uh, different knowledge within me. So it's a learning um, spiral, a circle that keeps coming around and around. Um, So just get your feet wet. You might surprise yourself Mm -hmm. at uh, the bountiful connection and your own personal healing. If you're attracted and you've never took this, you know, went out and learned or you're curious um, and you're not for sure why, it's for your own personal journey. We usually discover that, period. And it can really be a really big healing source for you that 
you will reap many benefits from. Mm-hmm. Yes, study the plants. <laughs> yeah, go out and meet them. Okay, well, we're almost done. I just wanted to let y'all know a little bit more about the workshop that we're going to be doing our tree medicine walk and workshop on October 26th, which is a Saturday. And we'll have early bird registration, so check that out. The event will be on my website, thewanderschool.com, and on Facebook. So get in early for that early bird registration cost. It will be at my brand new home in Marshall, North Carolina, 10 to 3 o'clock. And we will be walking amongst the trees. We'll start with ceremony. And then we'll walk among the trees and I will be teaching you all about how to identify the trees and the botany of the trees, their Latin names if you're interested. And Cindy will tell us about the benefits of the trees from a Menominee and Cherokee perspective. And she'll teach us all kinds of awesome things like how to make medicinal washes for sores and pain and food for winter survival. And um, then we'll do some more ceremony and learn how to harvest in a ceremonial way. And we'll make some tree medicine that you can take home for your winter first aid kit. And we'll be providing lots of tasty tea throughout the day, too. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'll put a link in the show notes and in the blog about this episode. So make sure to check that out and get registered as soon as you can for that early bird price. So, Cindy, is there anything else that you think is important for us to know about you or anything that you're doing? Well, I can I can share this. I hear this often that a lot of people, when um, after they've been at a workshop or through a class, will come up and tell me that the way that I teach was very easy for them to understand and to apply into their herbal knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a very comforting, I'm a comfortable teacher and funny and storyteller and carry a lot of, uh, just fun. We do a lot of fun, you know, teaching. So, you know, check out this workshop and cause this is really exciting to be able to have both yes. and really get a full rich experience between the botany and the traditional medicines mm-hmm. And with the ceremony, I always bring ceremony guys. So just know it. Um, don't be scared of that either. It's really a great way to go into any time of your life. So I look forward to anyone who signs up to class and thank you for listening. You can check out. I've been online for a very long time and my business has been on since 1997 yeah. You can go to cindysacredgarden.com. Doesn't matter how you spell it. <laughs> I will come up. You will find me. Or um, to Cindy Sacred Garden Facebook page. I do a lot of uh, pretty cool educational pieces on on my page. Um, that just the average person, and I don't mean average, just, you know, 
wanting to know more, you can find that information on my page. Thank you, Abby. Oh, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this. My first podcast. Yes. (laughs) So honored it could be this one. Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, if you can't see the show notes on the platform that you're on, make sure to check out thewanderschool.com and there will be a blog all about this podcast and it'll tell more about Cindy with a link to her website, a link to our upcoming tree workshop, and that recipe for the goldenrod oil. So thanks so much for listening, and happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Thanks for listening to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I love hearing from you, so please leave me your comments along with liking and reviewing this podcast and sharing it with someone you can empower on their wild path. This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. If you like the stories, tips, and tricks you heard and would like to hear more from wild crafters and foragers around the world, please consider donating today to help with production costs. You can make a one-time donation or become a patron by visiting my website, thewanderschool.com and going to the podcast page. On the website, you'll find a gold donate button along with classes, services, and products I offer at The Wander School and my book, The Herbal Handbook for Homesteaders, Farmed and Foraged Herbal Remedies and Recipes. Thanks to Tina and her pony for the use of their beautiful song, Medicine. Until next time, I'm off to find new ways to empower you on your wild path. Follow along on the Wander School Instagram and Facebook pages. See you in the woods and wild places. Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill. It grows in the ground The medicine we need grows all